1: Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romaverse. It's episode 127, recording about 24 hours after Roma's win over Udinese yesterday. Uh, Solid victory at the Olympico for the boys. I got Jimmy and Brandon both with me here this week. So guys, how are you feeling after yesterday's victory?
0: I'm feeling pretty great, man. I mean, that 4-0 loss we endured to them in the first half of the season really stunk. And it was one of the few times in the first half of the season, or the first time really in the season period, where we walked into a game with a smaller club and just got our ass handed to us. Uh, so it was nice to kind of return the favor. Uh, this time around, and it also gave me some really good optimism about Roma's chances on securing a top four spot for next season.
2: Yeah, Jimmy nailed it. I think uh, the first time around, it was as Jimmy was saying, it was kind of Roma's first true gut punch of the season. So, um, and and from there, you know, things got a little rocky for a period of time, but they bounced back, and then here we are, uh, returning the favor, so to speak. With that three nothing win, um, but more importantly, again as Jimmy said, that that Champions League qualification inching ever closer, especially with the, our rivals continuing to drop points. Um, Say for Lazio, it seems so. Um, kudos to them, and it allows them to, I think, play a little bit more freely on Thursday, knowing there's a little bit more cushion um, in the league as well.
1: Yeah, I was going to get into the table a little later, but since you guys mentioned it, I mean, huge weekend for Roma in terms of results. You mentioned Lazio, the only team around them that won. And one of our listeners, Jody, actually tweeted it yesterday. He uh, put it out. He said, obviously, it was before the Fiorentina match, and he mentioned that, but everybody else who played a midweek European match had dropped points beside Roma, and Fiorentina ended up drawing Atalanta today. Uh, so Roma, the only team that played midweek and still got maximum points, and, and pretty impressively, 3 nothing. you know, just in case to catch anybody up, uh, latio did win 3-0 on Friday against Spezia, kind of expected. Um Milan dropping up 2 points to Bologna after the game, I think it was a first minute goal to Sansone. Um Napoli, not that they're within our reach, but 0-0 against Verona. Inter fell to Monza 1-0 at the San Siro. Huge result there for Roma. Juve lost to Sassuolo on the road. Like I said, Atalanta dropped two more points they didn't play midweek, but they still dropped two points. So just to update the sayings now, and that optimism for top four really starts to kick in a little bit when you think about Roma really controls their own destiny now because Napoli running away at 75 points, Lazio 61, Roma 56, Milan 53, Inter on 51, and Atalanta on 49. So Roma has a five-point cushion against an Inter team, which they play in, and I think match week 34. But look, Atalanta next week, Milan the weekend after that. Then there's a midweek against Monza, and then it's Inter. So, I mean, if, if Roma can find a way to win, I think at least two of those big head-to-heads, they're in really good shape for top four. So the optimism is growing. And I think you you mentioned it, too, about Thursday. It kind of takes a little bit of the pressure off heading into Feyenoord, too.
0: Yeah, it definitely does. Um, I still want them to win against Feyenoord, and I think that at home it'll be pretty – not easy, but I think it'll be easier to overcome that 1-0 deficit uh, especially if certain players are able to come back. But still, yeah, if, if Roma is able to develop this cushion in third place, if Roma is able to, you know, maybe even get knocking on Lazio's door for second, I mean, they're only five points back. It wouldn't be unheard of, um, especially with, unfortunately, you know, I mean, it's prayers for Trua Mobile about his car accident, but like that is going to have mass- a massive impact on Lazio's rest of the season. I would imagine. So, I would say there are pretty good chances for Roma to, at, at the very least, cement its spot at third in the table. And I'm still pretty optimistic about Roma going forward in the
2: Europa League. I would argue that they don't even need to win two out of the three. If you know, if they hold firm and just draw two out of the three, that's true um, too. Yeah, especially if, especially if those two draws are against Milan and Inter, because that's mm-hmm. of kind of fading away there. You hold firm there, um, and as you said, I, I believe the intermatches match day thirty-four. So only four matches following that. You can, you're looking pretty good from there, um, that, because after that you don't really go up against any heavy hitters. Um, if you continue to qualify for the next round of the um, for subsequent rounds of the Europa League, I'm sure you know the competition is going to get harder, and you have to navigate those fixtures as well, which is its own. Um, challenge, but by and large they're they're set up really well. And I think going back to um what I was saying about the Europa League picture can only be a good thing. Uh if they're playing freely, I think that's something that I probably would have expected anyway, given how uh what how the state team has been in these knockout round pictures, especially on the second leg occasions, which they seem to be more often than not, thankfully enough. At least at least uh, deep in these tournaments, but I think they're probably pretty confident, especially if they can get Dybala back. Um, even if it's limited mil- minutes in the second half, you'd rather have him out there than not. Um, Tammy got his goal. Pellegrini got his goal. Um, so you go into Thursday a little bit. Uh, in in better shape than you probably were anticipating after, after the result on Thursday itself. So, um, I don't know. It's it's weird to say, but things are kind of looking good.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't get to watch the whole fine Nord match. I only got to see the first 40 minutes. I, I did see Dybala come off injured. I was like, Oh God, here goes like the rest of the season when it happened. And then literally my lunch break was over I, you know, I'd shut it off. I get a text uh, on my, my other group text, my, my buddies who watch a lot of soccer and, you know, it's like Pellegrini with a garbage can emoji. I'm like, oh, God, what happened? I look at the the box score a few minutes later when I had in, it, It's like missed penalty kicking. Like, oh, God, here goes, like, everything falling downhill, right? Like, you know, his confidence is shot. Dybala's hurt. Tammy got hurt later in the match. And then all of a sudden, you know, we get closer to the match day essay, And and it was, you know, Abraham was actually able to play. The shoulder was not a separation like was originally feared. Dybala, not any kind of strain. It was just uh, called muscle fatigue, I, I think is what they – they called it in Corriere. So and he's Mourinho said at the end of the match, he's optimistic that he'll be available for Thursday. So if he comes back, you, now you have, and you said it, the confidence. I think that's the huge thing. I tweeted it after the match yesterday. I think for Pellegrini and Tammy, those goals were so big, bigger than for anybody else in the team to get them, except maybe Belotti because they're two guys who had outstanding seasons last year were crucial in, in lifting the conference league. And then they, they really struggled this year. And you're like, Oh, like, when are the goals going to come? And they both came in the same match. And I think that could be really big going into this, this really like gauntlet of a stretch run. That's going to make or break Roma's top four hopes, make or break Europa league. And I think confidence is huge, but the, the, the other takeaway I had was God, I don't want to go to the penalty kicks against fine order because who besides DiBala can make a penalty kick on this team?
0: Eduardo Bove, <laughs> clearly he can, he can get the goalie off guard. Just have them standing on the corner making that happen. That's my that's my plan.
2: I was uh trying to be a responsible adult and went grocery shopping during the first half. <laughs> um but I, I had I had the phone on I had my the game on my phone, so I had the audio in my ear and I was checking out right around the time that uh we were awarded the PK. So I was able to catch uh Cristante missing and Bove subsequently scoring, but God, these guys cannot score a penalty to save their lives. And I've since cooled, but I was uh, <laughs> very much up to here with Pellegrini after that after that conference after that um, penalty miss on Thursday. I think I'm confident enough uh, that the boys will turn the results around on Thursday to to let my anger subside in that from that moment. But man, I. <laughs> I never wanted Pellegrini to, to put on a Roma shirt ever again, to be honest, after that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's tough. It, it was like kind of Johnny on the spot for Bobey. I say, kind of luckily, it took a, a good bounce right to him and he finished it calmly because you've seen guys kind of get those rebounds and just blast it over the bar because they get the adrenaline rush when it comes to them. Um, because if they don't get that goal, who knows where, where the game kind of goes? You know, you never know what could happen um, if Roma doesn't capitalize because they did have some pretty good chances in the first half that Silvestri made some pretty good saves on. But yeah, I mean, the, it, it's never, you know, it's not a given to, to make it from the spot, but first Pellegrini, then Tristante, and you're like, oh, geez, like this, this is, and the thing with Thursday's match, just because we're on the penalty kicks, like missing that penalty cost Roma a result because, and I'm not blaming Pellegrini for the loss. So I don't want anybody to take it that way because anybody could miss that. And, and you know, you've you've had other chances in the match to score, but when you, you only get concede one goal on the only shot on target you had, and it was a really nice goal from, I forget the name of the player who hit it, um, I'll double check, but it was it was a really nice hit by Weifer. And he's actually the one who gave up the penalty with the handball, so it was kind of like vindication for him. Um, and I guess just going back to Feyenoord for a minute, because Mourinho changed it up a little bit yesterday, but Zalewski a right wing back, man. Like, I love Zalewski, but we're seeing the deficiencies as a defender because the play was set up by the player that beat him to make that pass for the the, the nice hit that viper put in the back of the net i mean i don't know how much longer you can keep playing him at right wing back
0: that's because he's not a right wing back well exactly that's, that's why, why i'm like how much longer God, can you so keep doing it yeah it's so frustrating like i appreciate the fact that he wants to play i appreciate the fact that we need someone at right wing back but like you can't tell me that chelic's that bad right like you can't tell me that he's that bad i i need to see someone other than Zalewski at right wing back soon please
1: yeah, I'm, I'm hoping Selic maybe after yesterday, right? He played a pretty <laughs> decent match. He didn't get, get caught out or anything. So I'm ho- kind of hoping against Finer, maybe they go that direction, Brandon, because maybe then you have a little more defensive stability and maybe it opens up Spenuts all on the left. I, I don't know. But it it just worries me a little bit that we saw it against Zikangi. Yeah, I know that was down a man, but he got beat on that goal. He got beat on Thursday. And it, I I don't hold anything against the because he's not a right wing back.
2: Yeah, I don't either. Um, is Florenzi available? Is Milan using him? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I do agree that Mourinho should take a look at Selig for the second leg. Like, uh, you know, you're you're going to be pushing for the goal, but that will make you vulnerable at the back. And so maybe it's kind of just a no-brainer in his eyes where you go with the more defensive-minded Celik than Zalewski. But given this team struggles in front of goal, you could also argue that, you you need Zalewski's offensive uh potential in there, but if it were me, I would go I would go Selleck for sure I think he's shown enough defensively. I thought he would start the last leg to be honest um which we had discussed, but yeah we'll we'll see how it goes. I think he's also Zalewski might also be suffering from you know uh you know lapse in confidence, so to speak, because even um, it's been, it, you know, it's, it's been a extended run of poor form, or at least seemingly because we've, we've been talking about it for a few weeks now. So uh, it's a big call to make, but I think ultimately Selick will get the nod. I mean, my pet theory
0: there is that he's also tired. Like, I feel like we discount that a lot when we're talking about players who are playing match in, match out. And the two guys, coincidentally, who have been on poor form recently, who are playing match in match out, are Lorenzo Pellegrini and Nikola Zalewski. So it's not exactly shocking to me that if you run a player into the ground, that they might not play as as well. Um, I'm not expecting that to last very much longer for either of them. I I think that you know at, at their the you know you get back to the uh, middle ground of poor form and great form usually things even out. But uh this is part of the problem with not having very much depth as a side that you can run good players into the ground to the point where they just can't put it in great form anymore.
1: Yeah, and and I was actually very pleased when I saw the lineup yesterday and it, and it was Spinazola and getting rested because I feel like especially at that wing back position, you do a, a hell of a lot of running up and down the flanks there. And like you said, those guys are going to get run down. We we know Spinitzel's uh injury history too so I think it was it was definitely a relief to kind of see them both rested I, I think Zalewski could be in part that too um I'm with Brandon I thought Selic might start on Thursday just because I figured we'd play a more defensive game and counterattack which Roma did I thought they did did a pretty good job of I me mean, when you look at the overall numbers obviously they conceded possession which they they tend to do but Roma had 17 shots and three on target I mean they they didn't give up a whole lot. They gave up two shots on target. So they gave one after the goal, I think. It was it was only two on target. I'm curious as to how they approach this match on Thursday. Like obviously Roma errs on the side of caution with Mourinho, right? You're not gonna want to give up anything too early. But at what point, if it's still zero, zero or if they give up a goal, like when do the kind of the, the the training wheels come off and when does Mourinho kind of let the offense go? Does he let him go from from the opening jump, especially if Deball is available? Or does he play a little more conservatively? I'm curious how, where he goes in midfield too, because Jeannie Van Haldeman, I know he came off hopefully with cramps yesterday because I didn't hear anything injury related today, I and mean, he's been in good form too. So like, you got to kind of let
2: these guys cook a little bit. Hopefully on offense. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, from the first from the first minute, you kind of have to go for it. If if not, you're setting yourself up to concede an unlucky goal. And then you have to call call back too. And then obviously then you really have to get in, kick it into gear. So I think the strategy, especially at home, uh, you don't really have anything to lose. You need to be going for it from the first minute. And I think these players think, you know, are, are pretty confident enough that they believe that they're better than Feyenoord by, by a good margin. Um, and over the course of the last two fixtures that they played, I know the Conference League is ages ago at this point and different set of players and whatnot. But over the two games, I think you can argue that Roma have definitively been the stronger of the two sides. So you go for it from the first minute, if you concede a goal on the counterattack, I mean, that's the risk that you run. But um, you do... You do need to at least pull one back, so I think I think that'll be the intent, especially if DiBala starts. I think if there's some yeah. uh, issue in terms of his health, maybe you'll see that the reverse up until he he comes on. But um, if he if everybody's good to go, you got to go for it.
1: Yeah, and I think the thing Roma is going for them is going to, have, what, 62,000 or whatever they, they've been selling out at the Olympico these days behind them. There's not going to be any traveling fans. Roma did it without any traveling fans in Holland, and they they didn't seem intimidated by the atmosphere, you know, of that, that stadium that is so vaunted. And um, Apparently, the Fine
0: North fans are going to be in Rome anyway. I guess the Napoli fan ultras invited them, so this might get a <laughs> little messy. Watch out for that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh gotta love it gotta love what other ultra groups it's such like a European thing I, I mean for us Americans it's 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 kind of like I I've read books about it it's just so crazy the way like these fan groups interacted I, I guess it's because it's such like that city-state mentality in Italy from from back in the you know middle ages and renaissance that they still have these like rivalries like you know the Yankees and Red Sox hate each other nobody's like saying oh you know the the Red Sox aren't in the World Series, and the Yankees are, so we're going to invite invite these like LA Dodgers ultras to come fight Yankee. You know, it's like it's craziness, but you know, hopefully, it, cooler heads prevail, and and uh, the authorities have control over it, not to take away from the, the match. But you know, I, I think the Olympico can be a big advantage for for Roma in this one, especially if they can get early goal. I mean, you think back to that Barcelona fixture, right? Like that is you know, the the epitome. Once they got that first goal, the crowd was in it and, and things got really bad for Barcelona. Hopefully the same thing could happen here. And I agree with Brandon. I think Roma knows they can go to toe-to-toe and are probably the better side here, even in spite of losing the first leg.
2: Yeah, and the ultimate X factor in Mourinho. Um sure the game plan has been cooking for some time on how to tackle the second leg. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we've seen all throughout the journey in the Conference League last year and so far in the Europa League. Um, he's able to come through for this team, put them in a position to succeed, and they come through. They feel like superheroes at the Olympico, it seems, um, which is which is wonderful for a fan to view. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think it might be similar to... You know, I was going to give it a prediction, but I don't know if I want to go that far. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of been that, though. You,
1: you mentioned, though, second leg, right? And at least home cooking, for the most part, in these two-legged affairs. I'll go back to last season, Conference League, right? They won the first leg at home, one nothing, and then drew at Vitesse to, to advance on on the uh, combined goals, right? The aggregate. They lost at Bodo first leg, second leg went on and won four nothing after losing by one goal. So they kept it close, and they kept it manageable, and they, they won four nothing. Uh, Leicester won one on the road, win one nothing at home to advance, and that was in the semis to get to the, the one off final. And then this year it's been it's been the same blueprint really. It's uh going back to the the Salzburg affair. You know they lose one nothing in Salzburg, they come home and win two nothing. And then Sociedad was the reverse because they had the home leg first and they won two nothing, and then went to Sociedad and got that zero zero draw and advanced. And I think it was kind of the same blueprint that Marine was looking for here. Keep it tight, kind of hope to get away with at least a point point. "Quote unquote," like a, a draw, and they didn't because of the, the missed penalty and a couple missed opportunities, but one nothing. And I think Roma has to feel good about their chances of, of getting two goals at home.
2: That's well. That's the result I was going to compare to the Salzburg one, where they did get the two goals at home. Before I stop myself, I think I think they're capable of doing something similar. I would Are you it's probably a tougher uh, proposition than Salzburg was, but at the same time. Um, I think we're probably in a little better shape now than we were back then, just in terms of how players are performing and whatnot, and where this team has in terms of their development so given all that, I think a two old result is something that's certainly on the table um and you know, I think I would feel very comfortable if they get an early goal i, I i'll if that first goal doesn't come until the 50th, 50th, 60th minute, I will still be, I'll be stressed, but I won't be freaking out. But I think if they get the early goal, it might be smooth sailing for this team in terms of what they can do, um, you know, at home with, with the crowd behind them as they will be.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think an early goal will do wonders. I'm curious to see how he, how he chooses to line up. I mean, I, I think obviously we see the the three, four, two, one, that's kind of been the, the, the MO this season. And I think it'll be Mancini, Smalling and, and Ibanez. I have to say, I, I want to tip my cap to Lorente. I think he's had a couple really good games for Roma, and you know, he becomes an intriguing option. If he can keep doing this the rest of the season as a, as a fourth center back for next season, if he comes at the right price. But um, I think that, the big thing, obviously, DiBAL is the question mark. Depending on what, if he, his availability, it changes things for Roma. But you know, does he go sell Expinonzo on the wings and and play that right wing a little more defensively, and then you know, play? Does he? I think if Dybala's is out, I I almost think he's playing Pellegrini and Winhaldum in front of Crisante and Matic with with Tammy's the lone striker. And if Dybala is available, I think he drop one of those midfielders.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that overall. Um, Wijnaldum has shown himself to be capable in a more attacking role throughout his career. And he seems like Mourinho's choice as kind of a Dybala replacement, so to speak, when DiBala is unavailable. So that, that type of lineup makes a lot of sense to me.
1: If DiBala is available, Brandon, who do you think he fits? Because when Haldum came, he was like halftime replacement midweek when uh, things started to go awry. And he played well, yes. If he's fit, do you think he starts over Cristante or Montage?
2: Uh, no, I don't. I don't think if everybody's healthy, he would get in over those two. I think, uh, when we have seen them starting, he's usually playing in that more advanced role. And, uh, Cristante, the Cristante Montage pairing is just seems to be, Mourinho's most trusted, you know, for, uh. Formation with uh, in the middle of the park, so I don't envision when all them getting in ahead of either of those two. I think you could argue that maybe one of Zabaleta or Pellegrini but Pellegrini's is not going to get dropped. Um, and Zabaleta, if he's healthy, obviously you're not dropping him, so I think when all them would remain in the bench in that scenario. But uh, as a first choice sub, you can certainly do worse. Um, but also keep in mind. Chrisante with that head injury, I saw something that he, you know, went against what the doctors were proposing (laughs) that he, you know, that he sit out. I I don't know if that's true or not, but if so, I mean that's that's an injury that you have to monitor just because head injuries are crazy. Um, And so I think in the event that Chrisante was showing any uh, signs of, you know, that injury still still having a toll on him. I think maybe then you consider starting with them. but if he's shooting down the doctors at halftime um, after his head's been busted open, <laughs> I don't, I don't yeah. think uh, you're going to have much sway to get him on the bench for such a massive match like this.
1: Yeah. I don't think the concussion protocol is quite what it is now <laughs> in these American sports leagues, where as soon as they see something like they pull the guy off the ice or off the field and like the doctors get the final say, um, I mean Bove's probably lucky he didn't get concussed after the way Mancini treated him after the goal. If you saw that, Mancini continues to uh abuse teammates, which is it's, pretty funny.
2: Yeah, he, he clobbered that man's head. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I think one indication, if if he does start win Holland over Matic or Cristante, if all three are fully fit. I think it could give an indication of how early he wants to be aggressive going for the goal, too, because I think Wijnaldum gives a little more of an uh, offensive option, box-to-box, than Kristan Zermatic, too.
0: Yeah, I'd go along with that. Um, In general, though, looking ahead to Thursday, I think the most important thing is actually, I would say, if Tammy's able to start, I know that he didn't start this past match because of the injury that he had. I believe it was to to his shoulder. Um, If he's able to start, I really think he should. Uh, strikers are so form-dependent and so mentality-dependent that if he's able to seize on the good form that he's developed, or I don't know if it's safe to call it good form, but at least the goal that he scored against Uines, um, to kind of rack start racking up a couple goals, that could be really key for Roma, both in terms of the rest of the Europa League campaign and in terms of just getting top four. Uh, I was looking at the Serie A table before we started recording, And it really needs to be said just how poorly certain clubs are doing recently. Like Roma, Lazio and Napoli are the only clubs in the top six that, you know, don't have at least three or four draws and losses in the last several weeks. And I think that part of that is that a lot of clubs are discovering that it is hard to play in multiple competitions. This this was a problem consistently for Roma during the 2010s. That trying to juggle Champions League football with league standing meant that you could see Roma get to Champions League and then slowly kind of go down to EL, go down to not getting Europe at all because it was just such a strain on a relatively small side to juggle Serie A, which is a challenge, and um, the Champions League or the Europa League. So, considering how long that kind of ailed Roma it's nice to see the shoe to be on the other foot for clubs that have often you know not had the opportunity to be in Champions League or Europa League I am very curious to see what happens at Inter because their form is just quite frankly atrocious
1: yeah, and um, the crazy thing is they went to Benfica and won I, I could not believe yeah. that they can't win yeah. a match in, in Serie A right now
0: neither could I like they're drawing to Salernitana, they're drawing in the Copa. They're losing to Juventus in the league. They're losing to Fiorentina. They're losing, like, 1-0 matches consistently. And that, to me, like, if I was seeing them lose, like, 3-2 or something like that, I'd be like, okay, you know, like, there's something to build on there. But when you're losing 1-0 to Monza, it raises a lot of questions about your ability to to succeed. And look, I I will say that it doesn't make me sad to uh, see Inter and Milan kind of flailing around Right now, Uh, a lot of people seem to have developed like kind of the sad sack mentality that Juve is going to get their uh, 15 points back. I don't think that happens uh, because these investigations are still ongoing, apparently, and there are more things that could be added to the list and the reasons and the things that might be uh, bringing Juve back down to earth. Still, it would be very good for Roma to cement a spot in third place simply because add 15 points to where Juve is right now on the table and at least Roma's still in the Champions League slots, you know. Uh, I think that should really be the goal for Roma going forward. That you can't control what happens with those point deductions, so at least be in third. So worst case scenario, you're only bumped down to fourth.
1: Yeah, I think you make a great point too with Inter and Milan. And you know, in the Champions League, let them beat Benfica this coming week. Let them advance. And and you know what? At this point, let Milan advance past Napoli because the two more matches for those teams. Their, their, their depth is seriously being tested on the weekend when they put so many resources into uh, the midweek Champions League matches, uh, a little more so than even in Roma or we've seen with Juve. Um, and speaking of Juve, if they get those 15 points back, they're only three ahead of Roma now because the last two weeks Juve has lost. So that plays into Roma's favor a little bit too because Roma has the head-to-head advantage. So maybe they even catch Juve if the points are are given back. But I agree. I think you have to solidify top three just because you don't know what could happen with like the thing with, with this investigation compared to Calciopoli, Calciopoli was, uh, you can pinpoint, okay, this match was fixed. That match was fixed. That match was fixed. This is financial doping. So the 15 points to me is very arbitrary. One, one guy might say, yeah, 15 points is fair. Another guy might say, well, we'll take away nine. So you don't know where the, the arbitrator might go with it. Um, so I agree. You can't, and you can't rely on, on them not getting those 15 points back, even if it is unlikely, because on the pitch they still have been the third best team in Italy in in terms of points. So you have to, you know, kind of treat it that way until otherwise stated, I think too. And I I think that's a good point.
2: I will just add with regards to the Milan sides being in the champions league um, after being a year and two respectively removed from winning the title, uh, I, I too probably would go for, for the Champions League if possible. I know it's a little different for Inter though because they're on the outside looking in of next year's Champions League. So maybe uh, But the, your, the your, carrot your, your... is that you get the automatic return too, right? You get the trophy and the return to Champions well, League. Yeah, yeah. But I mean I think putting all your eggs in the basket of beating oh, yeah. one of City or Real Madrid in the finals yes. in a one-off match is a little silly, but uh, <laughs> the the table is what it is right now. So if you can get to the semis, go for it. But it either way, it works in Roma's favor. Um, so happily, happy to see them both continue on. Although I probably would like to see Napoli continue over Milan just because of the story involved. Um, but for Roma's purposes, Milan definitely should. <laughs> we should be rooting for Milan to, to go through.
1: Yeah, I, you you mentioned it. If Inter or Milan makes the final to to have a, a one-off against City of Real Madrid would be very, very difficult to win, especially the form these teams have shown in City recently. It, it was funny because on my other pod, I, we were talking about Inter possibly winning the Champions League without even finishing in a Champions League spot. And my, one of my co-hosts pointed out that West Ham could win the Conference League and still get relegated from the Premier, Premier League at this rate. So it's funny how these things work out and kind of how sometimes that European competition can take away from the league results. So... You know We'll hope for the best on Thursday, and we always have to have an eye on the future because, Jim, you you picked up on it today. There's a couple uh, big transfer stories that popped up in the last week for potential free agent signings with Roma.
0: Yeah, I think that a lot of stuff hinges on Roma being able to get Champions League, of course, so none of these deals are supposedly completed. But um, Husam Awar and Evan Nadika are both reportedly basically Roma players, and they'd be great free agent signings. Roma needs to work well in the free agent market. We saw how well it worked with Palo Bala. We know that if Roma's able to find success in the free agent market, we can boost the squad without necessarily having to sell as much. The interesting wrinkle that I saw was that a lot of those rumors also state that Ndika would be brought in as a replacement for Roger Ibanez, who would then be sold for a lot of money. I don't know how much weight to put in that, but it seems like an interesting wrinkle. And I, based off of some of his more boneheaded mistakes he's made this season – out of the three starting center backs that we've got, I wouldn't mind. I, he'd be the one I'd be least upset about losing for big
2: money.
1: Yeah. I, I have to say if they're going to move one of the three, I think he's the one that gets moved. He probably has the most transfer value. And he has been the one that's made the most errors, so to speak, that lead to mistakes. And Indica, I didn't even realize. I just looked, he's he's only 23 years old. So he's a guy that's got experience playing in the Bundesliga with Eintracht Uh and I believe some experience with dogs there in, in Ligue 1. and he won the Europa league with Eintracht last year. So he's, you know, if, if these players are wanting to come to Roma and freeze, obviously it has a lot to do with the champions League qualification. I think it has a lot to do with Mourinho too, right? If they know he's going to, if they're targeting these specific type players, you have to think they kind of fit with what Mourinho is telling Pinto and that he'll, he'll be back next year, managing Roma, in my opinion. Yeah. I was
2: going to say Mourinho to me is definitely the key to some of these players wanting to come here just because Champions League is by no means a guarantee as of yet, even though it's looking ever more likely. Um, But I do think it bodes well for uh, Mourinho sticking around. I would also say that that probably has something to do with the fact that Champions League qualification is looking more and more likely. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can start planning for the future with Mourinho at the helm. But yeah, yeah, Hopefully, this is just the first of of several um, quality additions if if these moves come to pass.
1: Yeah, and I know who else has been linked. Was it Jota? Was the other one or Firmino? Who's the free agent over there? I think it's Fir- Firmino. Fir- right? Firmino. Firmino. Yeah, yeah. I'm not as excited really about didn't. that one, but yeah,
2: I really do not want that. <laughs> yeah.
1: But uh, I think just the fact that we're linked with these players, just like DiBala became a reality, I think has a lot to do with Mourinho and the, and the change in culture he's bringing, and the freaking being aggressive too, and we see a lot more players going to free agent deals these days than we saw in the past. And if they can bring in a center back on a free and, and uh, kind of an attacking mid on a free to add depth to the midfield and Ibanez is sold, then that Ibanez money could go toward Fratezi. It can go toward, you know, uh, a, a Tammy replacement. If Tammy does get bought by a premier league club or bringing in another right back, if he wants, if Mourinho wants to shift more to a back four. So, it presents a lot of opportunities, even if you want to renew Winhaldam and, and bring in Fratezi and then really strengthen the midfield and make that a, a priority. I think it allows so much flexibility in the Mercato if you can bring in two solid uh, starting caliber type players on freeze.
0: Yeah, I think that'd be really special if, like, this is how Roma's going to have to build its side, quite frankly. Like, Roma is not PSG, Roma's not Man City. Roma's going to have to be really smart in the transfer market. And making a transfer like this, making a transfer like our or Ndika for free uh, will make it a lot easier for Roma to spend big when they want to spend big, whether that's for a new young goalkeeper or for a complimentary fullback or something like that.
1: Yeah. And then just one last thing, tidbit of news to to leave everyone with as, as we start to wrap uh, and we'll look ahead to Thursday with the rest of the coverage on the site is that uh, Roma parted ways with Pietro Berardi. I believe he was like uh, in a CEO type role at the club and it has a lot to do, I believe, with the investigations going on. Um, So it's something to keep an eye on. Roma cutting ties with him. I guess maybe he's taking the fall a little bit for what's going on with the investigation, it looks like.
2: Yep, and you know what that means, everybody, that there is an open CEO position with Roma. So dust off your CVs and your resumes if you're uh, interested (laughs)
1: I, I heard Brent is contemplating the role.
0: I mean, oh, considering well. considering that, I, I think he's more likely to uh, be CEO of Roma than uh, get on the podcast any time in the next month. So, you know, stranger <laughs> things have happened.
1: You know, we couldn't get him on after the Conference League victory. I don't know if a Europa League victory is enough. I don't know if a return to Champions League is enough. I don't know what it is. I don't know. We're, we're going to get him on, though, for everybody soon. We We will get him on. All right, guys, anything you want to leave the listeners with? Keep the faith.
2: Uh, yeah, let's go with that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, look, we're down to fine word. We're not out. I'm feeling pretty good after yesterday. And hopefully Roma, like we said, can carry that confidence and get a couple goals and and make Brandon's prediction uh, happen. I'm not going to make prediction myself because I tend to be a mush and I don't want to jinx Roma. But... uh Hey, keep up with the, the site. We'll have all the coverage on Thursday and then Adelonta next Monday. No weekend match, which kind of stinks because it happens during the work week, but big matches coming up. Stick with us, and we'll be back next week to talk to you guys.